Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's nearly Christmas. The silly season has kicked in and uh, there's very little being done around. Uh, well, in work anyway. <laughs> Outside of work, it's complete bedlam trying to get Christmas ready for for kids. But uh, yeah, oh, so this is a very special episode, obviously. We, we're um, we're episode 20 and uh, as a suggestion from one of our listeners, we're going to turn the camera on one of our... Or the, microphone camera the uh, microphone on one of us uh so you know with me today was our first ever guest and a guy i'm very very proud of, or very very fond of uh rory monahan from um from turbo uh would you like to say hi rory hey guys thanks for having me on again and it's perfectly okay to be proud of me too Eddie. <laughs> I am kind of proud of you, but I'm not going to mention that in public. So anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, on this uh, very special episode, I have uh, we have our first guest uh, with us to uh, to interview Jarian. Uh, today, Jarian is topic of conversation, and we're going to learn a lot more about Jarian, hopefully. So um, without further ado, Jarian, how are you doing today, man? Doing pretty good. Um, getting ready for the holidays, but unlike you, mine are getting busier. It's like I keep getting people coming to me. They need stuff done by the end of the year, so I'm working like seven projects right now, and so it's been a fun time. Nothing like a deadline or end of budgetary year to kick this kind of stuff in, is there? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so let's kick it all off. So, you know, obviously you started your career as an IT administrator. You're now a fiercely independent consultant and kind of master of his own domain as a self-employed individual. Uh, how did you start in IT, Jerry, and where, where, did you, uh, where did you start off, and how did you get to where you are today? So, you know, I was one of those um, those computer nerds growing up, I guess you could say. And, That's allowed. Um, so, yeah, so pretty early age, I, I was pretty interested in computers. You know, I built my first computer, you know, working through the DOS days, the, the Windows 3.1, <clears throat> you know, and then going from there. So I always had interest in computers. It kind of started off a little bit with some, with some gaming and then got more into how things work. And, and those type of things. So I, I just grew with that. And then all through in school, I would just try to get anything tech related. And, you know, when I was going through school, there was some elective classes you could take, but there, there wasn't much. So a lot of it was stuff on the side or just, you know, doing my own learning. And then I took that and um, I went to school, went to college for about a semester. And then I ended up dropping out because I was bored because since I was doing so much on my own, when I started school, everything was older stuff that I already learned, and so I was like, well, this is kind of a waste of time. So um, I started working, and I started working for a, a company called Intercom in Omaha, Nebraska, where I was building custom PCs and imaging them to customer specs. Um, and then from where from there, I went to a, a company um, named Securities America in Omaha, Nebraska, where I started off doing uh, tech support and, and PC builds and that kind of stuff. And... Um, the nature of their company, they had auditors and compliance people all over the U.S. And since this was, um, and, and sorry, I forgot to say, Securities America is a financial company too. So every day after the market closed, you know, the people out there in the field had to download these updates um, over dial-up and in VPN. And at that time, it was kind of, you know, not the best speeds, you know, for those remote offices. So um, my boss came to me and said, hey here's an opportunity for you to, uh, you know, to kind of grow in your career and so forth. He goes, find me a better solution than dial up and VPN. And so this is right around 2000. And so I start looking at things like, uh, 
the terminal services on Windows 2000, um, looked at Metaframe 1.8, um, looked at a couple other solutions that aren't around today. Um, and so I ended up settling on Metaframe 1.8 and then rolling that out to those users. And it was pretty successful deployment. Um, at the same time, I was testing um, everything with Active Directory in my lab, and they were still on NT. So he's like, well, now go figure this out as well before you do your project. Because I'm like, I was like, I don't want to do you know system policy stuff. I want to do group policy. And so did that also at the same time. But then this grew from there and then you know grew into um, Metaframe XP, Metaframe 3.0, Presentation Server 4.0, um, and so forth. And then at, at one point, I was trying to get the whole company to go Citrix to where um, it started off just for remote workers, um, remote satellite offices, and then it turned into people work from home or when we had, you know, people were sick or snow days, that kind of stuff growing up in Nebraska. But I wanted to go company-wide because I knew what a pain the, the PC refresh cycle was and how often they did it. Um, and I kept doing proposals and that kind of stuff. And finally my boss is like, look, um, just go be a consultant. He goes, you obviously have a knack for it, um, you know, I'll write you a letter of recommendation. You know, you can stay here, but the main thing is you need to go out and do something else. So that's when I just got into consulting in about 2005. Um, and I worked for a couple of bars from about 2005 to 2009. No, I'm sorry, 2005 until last year. So 2014. And then I decided to go independent. Um, and I had some assistance with some people out there in the, the industry who gave me advice on how to get started. Um, you know, like Steve Greenberg gave me some good advice, Carl Webster did, and then um, it just happened to be uh, one of those perfect storms to where uh, I was looking at going independent and I had some vague tweets and Sean's like, is something going on with you, Sean Bass? And I was like, well, I'm thinking about going independent. And he goes, well, really? Because I'm thinking about, you know, taking this position at VMware. So um, we started talking and stuff and he started introducing me to some of his customers and since then, I've taken some of his customers over. You know, I do some subcontract work and, and so forth. So, um, Sean really helped me out get my start. And while mentioning Sean, I think congratulate him on his new role at uh, VMware as well. But you know, he's, he's CTO now of uh, of all EUC, isn't he? He was he was desktops up until uh, you know a, a week or two ago, but he's now CTO of the entire EUC story. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So he's he's all all over uh, he's over all um, EUC now. So congrats to him, and, and thank you again for helping me get my start. And then, you know, from there, I just, you know, but the past, what, I went to independent last September. You know, it started off by doing my first independent project with Webster over in the Middle East, which that, that was fun, working with Webster. And then, you know, this past year, just been hitting the grind, doing work, and, you know, going, going to events and presenting. So it, it's been fun, but it's, it's been busy, and this is um, a very busy fourth quarter I'm trying to get through right now. Understood. Understood. Okay. I mean, that's that's a that's a phenomenal story. You know, changing a changing a dial-up scenario of central updates to 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 a MetaFrame XP or a MetaFrame one point eight and all the way up. That's a it's a fascinating story to hear how you how you learned and grew and grew and and move on moved on through. You know, and obviously, you know, just you know, Sean's help was was very useful to you there. It was yeah, it was interesting because I mean, both you and I went independent in and around the same time, so we actually became great friends in that regards from just from the Skype chatter because you. You, when you're out there on your own, you d- you don't have that, all that many colleagues to lean on. So I think that was a, yeah. I think our, our both of our are going out independent at the same time. I think was mutually beneficial. Yeah, <laughs> if that'd be fair to say. Our ongoing uh, daily chats. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, our Wolfpack channel. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, okay, cool. Well, look, it's great to it's great to know more about you. I mean, you're you obviously work from home most of the time now these days, don't you? Unless you're on a customer site, so. Uh, 
you, you, you is that where you're, you're based from mostly? Yeah, so I pretty much work 90% from home. I think I've traveled maybe a handful of times this year for actual customer projects. I've done more travel this year for events and meetings than I have for actual work. Um, but I try to do most of my stuff from home. It's good if you can get it. Good if you can get it. Um, yeah, you've shared a couple of stories as well before where you've been asked specifically to to go to site to uh, spend time with customers and <laughs> them not actually being there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's an interesting life to say the least. You know. Yeah, when you show but, up on, uh, on site and travel and stuff, and it's like, oh, they're not here, so we're gonna put you in this cube and you're gonna work from here. And it's like that's the last thing I, I don't like doing. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I could have done this for in my underpants from home. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I do get dressed though, so <laughs> I actually make a point to get dressed every day, especially um, during the week because I take my daughter and pick her up from school, which is not too far from my house. So that's another good benefit of working from home. As I get Definitely to... not something you want to do undressed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> very good, very good. Okay, so I mean, obviously, you know, Jerry, you're, you're very well known in the industry. You know, you present all the time. You're very vocal on, on, um, on, you know, IRC, Twitter, uh, Citrix forums. You know, uh, you're 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 everywhere, man. You're everywhere. I mean, and one thing I, I noticed about you when I first met you. I mean, obviously, we we've been friends for some time now. You know, we met in the Citrix scene a few years ago, and you know, you're actually quite shy. In real life which which surprised me a lot um considering you know uh how active you are and how much you do love to present i mean was this was this something that kind of developed over time for you did you find yourself as a natural speaker or did, did you did, did you did you start off quite shy in that regard too um yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah i wouldn't kind of say shy i'm more just reserved and like i kind of scope things out before i kind of fully start letting myself out there like that a little bit um you know, just kind of observe things for a little bit, um, kind of laid back a little bit, I guess. But as you know, once you get to know me, it's, it's a whole different story. Um, or once I get to know you, even even so. But yeah, um, when I first started presenting, um, I was really nervous. Um, and once of my early stuff, you know, it, it's I was so nervous that it was basically, um, I can remember a time when Shane Kleiner and I did our first bride form session. We, we were so nervous and talking so fast that it was like a tag team auctioneer presentation <laughs> you know it was like but you know, tag him in i go <gasps> you know and then same thing over and over and over and it was yeah it was a fast paced 75 minutes and i can't believe we got all that content in and going back and watching that you know i can't believe how fast we were talking but ever since then you know i just work on it um work on trying to talk slower trying to talk clearer um those type of things and i still get nervous and stuff but you know it, it's more natural now than when i first started um Another early one, too, was I presented at Synergy um, with some of those in desktop team about the, the transition from IMA to FMA when, when they first made those announcements. And I was in a session that it was uh, broadcast on the Internet also. So that was even more nerve wracking there, too, because that was an early presentation. Um, but, yeah, it is over time, you know, it, you get used to it. You know, like I said, I still get nervous. Um, I can say I'm a little shy, but I'm more, you know, kind of laid back and kind of observant before I just kind of fully start let myself out there at times. Actually, Jerry, and, uh, out of presenting, say, at conferences in person versus, say, uh, maybe presenting um, on a webcast or a webinar, uh, do you feel the same nerves or do you prefer one over the other? I actually prefer in person if I can, just for the fact because you can actually see people, interact with them. Um, also, you can tell by the their expression how things are going to and you know, if they're really paying attention or, or just sitting there while they're doing other stuff. So 
I, I kind of like the in-person stuff. I kind of like that personal interaction. Um, you know, presenting remotely on, online is is easier, and I do it a lot because I do most of my stuff via um, WebEx, go to meeting, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that's pretty easy to me. It's just that you really can't get that personal connection with the people you're talking to, um, or um, you don't have that same kind of energy you have when you're there in person. Yeah, I got you. I completely agree as well. Um, I think I was talking to you at uh, Bryform in Denver as well, and obviously I think bo- both of us were talking a lot about application virtualization, layering, and VDI. Um, what is it that's grabbed your attention about uh, end-user computing technology? It was just from that first time when I started looking into things, you know, way back in 2000, and, you know, being able to to kind of change the, the user experience instead of them sitting there having to um, do a dial-up or VPN and then just wait um, for a while before they can get their data um, and their application updated to where, you know, with everything being data center, you know, slash server side, it's it's pretty much instant for them. Um, so that, that initially caught my attention. And since then, I just, you know, gone through and just grown with the technology and, you know, kept learning and working with it as the technology has evolved. Oh, that's, that, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah, I think there, it's a question that we, we, we like to ask, you know, a lot of the people in our industry in regards to you see, because I mean, it's just one of those fascinating topics and it's very difficult to, to explain why you kind of fall in love with, with terminal services or application virtualization or, you know, VDI or, or mobility, you know, it, it's just, it's, it, I find it deeply fascinating, you know, the, the, the rate at which things change, the rate at which new um new functions features and kind of devices come out i think it's yeah it's it's great stuff and i think when you when you have your first successful project in that regard you kind of see yeah because you get to touch everything don't you you get to touch the back end you get to touch the 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 the, the, you know the management here you get to touch the user's experience you know so it's a it's a good wide stretch across things if um if that'd be a fair comparison to make yeah you're kind of like the the roads connecting everything pretty much you know the the way i put it um because you're like i said you're touching so many different pieces that you're, you're touching, you know, all those things that those roads could lead to, whether it's back end, front end, you know, et cetera. You're pretty much that kind of network for the, for the, for those technologies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned in your, you mentioned in your, in your story thus far, you know, you were consulting with Fires for quite some time, you know, you're obviously very successful at it in, in a sense that, you know, you work in an American market and you maintained a job, you know, so that, that's, a, that's success straight away. I mean, but, you know, what, what made you make the, the leap to independent? I mean, obviously back then you were, you were, you just married, you probably had a, you, 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 I think Xavier was on his way, your second. So, you know, that was, it was obviously a little bit of a cagey time. What made, what made you make the leap to independent at that point? Um, it's something that I've battled with for a while. Um, like I said, I worked for two bars over the years, um, about five year spans at each of them. You know, I, I started off consulting at MDM, MTM technologies, and then I, I was at choice solutions for, for a good amount of time and, and helped build that team and help grow them. Um, in which I'm, I'm still, um, pretty, uh, well ingrained with the choice solutions team because I, I do a lot of work with them. Um, and we, we have a partnership together, so that, that helps that as well. But it was just for me, um, I kind of wanted a little more freedom, a little bit, I would say, um, to be able to do uh, a different, uh, you know, different things and, and branch out. And I didn't want to um, have a job to where, as I was doing, you know, doing things kind of outside of uh, like the customer or, or the company's needs that where I was taking a spot or... Um, or not doing my part. So that's where, you know, I, I told with it for like a long time, I, I think a year and 
like I said, you know, the, the advice I got from like Steve Greenberg and, and, and Webster, um, and then dealing with Sean too as well. Um, and then, you know, the, the biggest thing that helped push me over, over the edge was my wife. Um, because she's like, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. We'll figure it out. She goes, if it's what you want to do, you know, I support you. And, and she's been the one that that's kind of been, um, the one, the biggest supporter of me, of me doing it. And that's when I really said, okay, I, I think it's time, um, to start going down that path. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's it was it was a big leap, as I said, and you know, I mean, obviously the time is right for you to make the move, but I mean, you were you were obviously very comfy and, and choice, and you know, you had a you had a good circle of friends around you. No, I just I was just curious what what it was that kind of spurned you over the edge. But if I if I if I'm paraphrasing, I mean, you, you kind of wanted to be your own boss and follow your own destiny. Would that be fair? Uh, yeah, a little bit because it, it's given me more um, opportunities to work with some different projects. You know, different different types of customers, um, even different um, geographies as well. So um, it was just something to kind of let me branch out more, pretty much. So, Jerry, uh, you said that something that pushed you to the edge was your wife. Um, and at the top of the podcast, Andrew had mentioned how you're so busy with, like, forums, IRC, podcasts, blogging, giving product feedback. You're really, really visible and really active in the community. Plus, you have a family. So how do you find time to do what you do? I'd love to know. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know where I find the time. I think it's, I just don't sleep as much anymore. Um, it was, it was kind of funny because um, when I first started being really active in, in the community, um, uh, I was in Chicago and Sean reached out to me to have drinks. And the first time I met Sean, he's like, he goes, I was the same way when I was your age. And he goes, once I settled down, and this before I was married or had any kids, he's like, um, he goes, I was the same way, but once you settle down, have kids, you know, you'll start slowing down. You won't, you won't be doing as much. You won't be as busy. And then every time I see him, he makes that joke at me. He goes, I know you're slowing down, Jarian, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's hard to do, um, especially with you know, I have two kids, young kids at home. I have a three and a half year old daughter and a year and a half old son. Um, so it, it's really hard to do, and it's hard to find that balance, especially with you know, making sure I'm spending enough time with the family and not locked away in on the computer doing stuff, but. I try to do a lot of things late night or early morning when they're sleeping. Um, I, I find that's the best time. Um, that's where I kind of get that balance. Or even on, like when they're taking naps or if they're off with their grandparents, those type of things. But I always try to make time to make sure that my family's there first. You know, I, I spend enough time with, with my kids um, and, and that kind of thing because, you know, I'm doing this for them. But at the same time, I need to be able to be there for them and making sure um, – that we're all doing stuff together and not spending too much time doing doing um, on the computer or or kind of spaced off into something else. Does that make sense? Yeah, fair, yeah, fair play to you. You'll it find out exhausting. You'll find out pretty soon. By the way. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that's a good segue. I don't think I've really made it public, but I'll be expecting my or I am expecting my first child on uh, February third. Oh wow! Is it that close? I I, yeah. thought, I taught you a few months yet. Oh wow, that's really uh, that's really creeping up on you now. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's fantastic news. Congratulations to you and your and your um, your fiance. Am I correct? You haven't gotten married just yet, have you? No, not married yet. Yeah, fiance. Okay. Fiance. Yeah, no. Because I remember just after the first podcast, you, you proposed. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. Us, yeah. Well, we'll make sure to check in with every life uh, life goal for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you were you were in Hawaii, weren't you? On that first one, you were dialing in from Hawaii yeah. for that first podcast. You guys were on that trip, so she she must she must be very flexible to let you get on a podcast and, and do that, and then you're, you're um, on vacation with them proposing. So you you picked a good one. It sounds like. 
Yeah, hopefully that continues. <laughs> Otherwise, the vlogs will slow down. Oh, well, yeah, you know, it sounds like you're onto a winner there, buddy. And, uh, yeah, because I remember the next day after we recorded the podcast, I was cutting the audio, and I saw your post on Facebook. <laughs> I turned around to, to Jerry and said, did you know he proposed after our podcast? <laughs> and, of course, we'd lined up Case Baggerman for the next one. I said, Case, you better have something good in store. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway, we've we've wandered way off topic. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's your, your busy lifestyle and all the rest. I mean, a question that kind of popped into my head earlier on today was, you know, you, you get out and you, when you're on tour you know at conferences and all the rest and you meet lots of different people and there's still lots of people in the industry that you may not have met yet but i mean if you could invite four people to dinner in our industry for 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 dinner who, who would it be and why um oh my gosh that's a tough question because there's so many people that you'd like to sit down and have a conversation with and, and kind yeah. of get their thought process and that kind of thing but um i'm gonna kind of go with uh uh, probably a non more non popular one, um, the the chairman of the board at Microsoft, uh, John Thompson. Um, oh, fascinating! I think I like to sit down and talk with him as one of them, just for the fact that you know you're you're coming into Microsoft. There's a transition from from, from Ballmer being CEO. Um, Bill Gates is not the chairman of the board anymore. You know he's replacing him, um, and then he goes out and uh, hires. Um, I hope I don't say this wrong. Satya Nadella. Um, I don't want to butcher his name because I know how it is when you get your name butchered firsthand. But, uh, you know, him going out there and making that change at a time when, when Microsoft needed to make um, kind of a, a change in a different direction, you know, kind of open up and, and, you know, have new lifeblood within the company. So kind of, you know, him being basically uh, Nadella's boss and, you know, kind of pushing him and, and mentoring him while he's doing all these big changes at Microsoft as CEO. I, I think that'd be one of them. Um, actually, it would be Nadella too. Just to have those two to sit down and talk with, I think would be um a good ones to to kind of get their mindset that you know they're thinking, you know, how they got to where they were today, those type of things. Um, and the other one would probably be um I'll do three here. Um, probably Elon Musk, and it's probably not for the Tesla side of it, but more the SpaceX side. Um, because I'm a sort of a little bit of a Star Trek fan and I kind of like the way they're doing the remakes of the movies, but you know, he's kind of taken that and trying to make it real by doing that space exploration with the, the testing and all the stuff they're, they're doing with, with the SpaceX program. Um, other than that is just, you know, as I'm out and about and traveling or at, at conferences or even working with customers, I just like, you know, getting, you know, getting, being able to sit down and meet with people you know, people that we may interact with, you know, via social media, you know, people that you've only interacted with social media, just meeting them in person, you know, kind of getting that, that personal time with them, um, those type of things. And that that's one of the, probably the bigger things that I like about some of the things I do is being able to do that, to, you know, interact with, with you, Andrew, and meet, probably meet Roy in person, you know, and a lot of people I've met in person by going to different places and, and speaking, so... Gosh, okay. It's uh, they are some interesting, uh, interesting choices. Yeah, no, I I was not expecting that. That that's fascinating. I mean, obviously, congratulations to to SpaceX. I mean, they managed the the the, the vertical landing this weekend, didn't they? Uh, or or last weekend? Yeah, so uh, they're doing I, some pretty neat stuff. So they're they're going to make Star Trek a reality someday, probably. Well, fingers crossed. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Star Trek seems to predict everything. <laughs> <So> <laughs> True. It is. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It is. It's it's interesting. Oh, okay. Well, cool. So, uh, Jarian, what was the highlight of 2015 for you 
from a technology point of view and also uh, a career point of view? Um, technology, I guess I wouldn't say any specific technology, but I just keep getting amazed about how fast things are progressing in each year, how it gets, you know, those, those timelines between the next big thing is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So it, it just seems like every time you turn around these days, something new is coming out and someone's innovating this to where, um, when I first got into this field and just looking at things, you know, it, it was very slow moving, you know, it could have been a year or two years, you know, then it started getting down to a year to, to semi-yearly, you know, then it gets to quarterly and then all of a sudden you're seeing this thing move so fast. But, um, I would just say the rate of cha- things are changing is what, uh, kind of gets me. And, I don't, this year it's, um, I know the, like the IOT thing is kind of the popular thing, but just the, the device interaction, the device connection type things, um, you know, especially when you see uh, things like um, uh, the Amazon Echo and then, then kind of seeing how your kids are interact with them, you know, how touch t- technologies um, are getting more and more improved. You know, like, for instance, my kids, you know, they can play all day on a touch-enabled device, but you give them a keyboard, they look confused. So, um, <laughs> see, you know, seeing that as well. Um, from a career side, um, just getting through this first year of being independent, <laughs> you know, um, Learning, Survive, survival, yeah. I suppose, is, is the top of the agenda. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> su- surviving. Um, yeah, the biggest thing is surviving um, this year, just trying to find that balance between the work-life balance, if, if there is a, such a thing, um, you know, just those type of things. Um, the other thing, too, would, would be just being able to um, contribute and be a part of some of the community programs that I'm involved in across the different companies. Um, as well, being able to um, see their their technology roadmaps, you know, give feedback, um, those type of things. Um, and then, I think from a career point of view, one of the uh, cool things was to be able to go speak abroad twice this year. Um, I was able to go to Brightform London back in May and speak. Um, I, I was sick as a dog during that time, so I didn't get as much time to enjoy it. Um, but um, then later on, I was invited to the the CugTech Norway which um, that was a pretty neat experience to be able to go over um, to Norway, um, meet some people over there, um, be able to pre- present, um, see the country. Um, that was a really fun crew. So um, that's one thing I'm hoped I'm able to go back to as well. And, you know, being able to travel more like that, um, I look forward to in the future. Yeah, that's cool, man, because I was actually in uh, Oslo, Norway, presenting at the MWS Summit. And, yeah, just it sounds amazing on paper when you just like read about Norway as a country. And if you look at the amazing pictures and it almost doesn't do it justice, it's just such a unique, cool country. Exactly. It's, um, one, it's one of those things that, uh, like a, like a picture doesn't uh, do enough justice. You have to actually see it in person because it, it's a very beautiful country. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, in the vein of, I just asked about the highlights of 2015. Um, but in 2015 applications got a huge focus um, where is this market going in your opinion? Oh, here we go. So, you know, we, we kind of gone from, you know, isolation, you know, to where isolation is the big thing and it, it's still a pretty big thing, but you're kind of see go from isolation to, to cloaking slash containerization, those type of things. Um, I think it's still going to kind of go that way. Uh, eventually you're, you're going to kind of see, probably apps hopefully get to um 
a more universal type approach, like they're kind of trying to do with Windows across devices, um, maybe the website, but you know, I guess we'll always have those those bad applications that are written and still have that reliance on that fat infrastructure for those applications. Um, I don't know. You know, every time you think something's going to change in that space, you know, old things come back new again. You know, it, it's like that saying, as much as things change, they always remain the same. Yeah, I completely agree. It It is very interesting to see, like, uh, it seems like application layering has come on in leaps and bounds. And um, personally, in, like, the Phoenix metro area where I'm living right now, it seems like there's a, a renewed demand uh, for in particular app volumes for application layering just for people with that skill set. And it's also interesting that, you know, with ThinApp, um, years ago it seemed hot on the heels of AppV and it seemed like containerization may, may take off then. But now we've come kind of full full circle here and now containerization is a huge buzz with like Docker and Turbo and obviously uh, Windows containers uh, coming with 2016. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think when I was on the first episode of the podcast, I was scratching my head a little bit too. I didn't. I really, you can't see the forest from the trees really because there's just so many things going on and everything's so quickly changing. Yeah, it's kind of where do you spend your time and kind of invest time in and, and focus on or, or try to pick up. But yeah, um, containerization is. One of those things, you kind of want to see where it's going and where it's going to end up, but it's definitely um, become mainstream now with with all the major um, companies embracing it and, and building technologies around it. It's just one of those problems that never seems to go away. It's like printing. and It's, <laughs> it's you know, applications just have so many different ways of, of packaging, deploying, you know, uh, and, you know, the tools that we're using, you know, Jerry, you mentioned, you know, isolation, you mentioned uh, layering, you mentioned uh, containerization, you know, I mean, there are so many different kind of approaches to this and it's great to see vendors are actually building in, you know, kind of each one of these approaches into their stack. I mean, obviously with Citrix now have AppDisk, they, they, you know, they, they did have their own app streaming technology, but they leaned on Microsoft app feed for that. You know, VMware has its thin app. It has app volumes now as well. And you know what I like about VMware um, from a from a future point of view was their A squared demo, where they they showed you the ability to deploy kind of app volumes, packaged applications out over the you know the public internet to to MDM enabled devices. You know, so you have Windows 10 out there in the wild who are taking your, your corporate applications out and being deployed via mobile device management solution. I like that for two reasons because. You know, first of all, we all know the historic issues of EXE installers versus MSI versus everything else. You know, everybody has their own way of doing these kind of things. There's click to runs. There's universal apps. There's you know, a horrendous amount of kind of different methods of doing this. And I mean, if universal apps really were the future, well, I mean, the Windows Store probably wouldn't look so crap. What I liked about the the, the A squared idea was, you know, they're kind of creating their own kind of philosophical installation method. Would that be fair to say? In a sense that you can install it once into app volumes and then VMware are going to allow you to use that image elsewhere, giving you that potentially, you know, single point of, of deployment. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I-, I think whatever vendor can kind of make that um, into uh, a, pr- a product where you're more simplified management and universal across devices type thing, I, I think it's the one that's, that's going to come out ahead. Um, and it's not just from the application side, but it's from the management side too, kind of having that that single layer uh, across multiple devices and multiple device types. Does that make sense? Couldn't agree more, no. I couldn't agree more. And obviously, you know, 
you need to ask her looking closely at this. You know, their VHD format is really coming on leaps and bounds. Citrix are, um, Citrix are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're aware and keenly watching. Obviously, the, the value they add with, with AppDNA is good too. So, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a problem that never goes away, but I think the renewed focus is, is beneficial to everybody in the industry, if that's fair to say. Would you agree, Rory? Yeah, definitely. I fully agree. And it's, it's great for me. Um, like most of my career has been pretty entrenched in the application side of things. So, uh, it's great to have so many different solutions because each one kind of solves a problem that the other one may not. So I'm, I'm really happy to see this competition. Couldn't agree with you more. So uh, that's that's that application. I mean, so I mean, 2016, Jarian, we're a couple of days away. From, well, literally a couple of days away from 2016. What's in store for Jarian in 2016? Uh, I guess you never know what's around the corner, but. Um... You know, just keep kind of doing more of the same stuff, um, you know, going to year two of being independent. Um, I've already got some things lined up for speaking next year. Um, you know, just kind of keep rock and roll on, on that front. I'm trying to think of anything else we have kind of planned on the horizon. I'm trying to figure out my office situation. So I'll definitely get that squared away in 2016 because I'm getting <laughs> evicted from the house um, by, by the missus. So, um the office has to go, so that's definitely gonna get done in 2016. Um, office and lab and everything. Yep, office, lab, everything. It's it's like um, the um, I, I had part of the basement, but now it's like nope. Um, the kids ba- the basement's gonna be more the kids play area, more more toys and stuff down there, um, and, and that kind of thing. So she's like, um, you need to either finish the other half of the basement, build something, uh, or find somewhere. So right now the the best method I think for me is gonna be to build something. Um, I'm sitting on a pretty nice size of land to where I'm far away from the house if I build something. And uh, I got approval from the city to build 250 square foot building out there. So I'll have a nice little office with, with the lab and everything out there, sort of from the house. Um, that way we can, you know, use the uh, downstairs basement, the finished area for uh, more things like entertaining and letting the kids play and that kind of stuff. And then eventually, hopefully next year too, also finish the other half of my basement. So a lot of homework um, for me next year. Um, but I'm trying to think good, of okay. anything else. Um, nothing else comes um, to mind. Obviously, keeping this podcast going. <laughs> oh yeah, Frontline Chatter Podcast Year Two. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah, we, we we do have some cool stuff on the pipeline. So, speaking of which, we really need to finalize that. So let's uh, let's try to get that sorted over to Christmas break. But uh, all right, cool. Okay, so pretty much more of the same. Never know what's on the horizon. Then you've got some you've got some growing to do from a business point of view. Set setting up your own little office out there. Um, actually, consequently, I, I don't think people realize just how big Jarian's lab is at the moment and what he actually has to work with. But it's you know day by day. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of what you have literally sitting across the room from you right now? <laughs> yeah, well, right now I'm upstairs because downstairs is too loud. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a I have a little area upstairs that when I need quiet, I come up here and work. I'm um, definitely recording because you don't want that background noise. Um, but I have um, a, a 20... I was just about to say, I mean, I remember the early podcasts where I used to have to ring you about 10 minutes in advance to tell you to turn off the lab. <laughs> yeah, the shutdown procedure and everything to get everything turned off and quiet so we could record. But um, it, it's kind of grown over the years, um, you know, with working in, in this space and the different products out there, it's, you know, to kind of stay up, it's, you got to kind of be testing and trying out and learning all kinds of products. So I've got about a 24U rack full right now downstairs um, of servers. Um, I started off a lot of eBay shopping. So, you know, looking for servers coming off lease or people upgrading those type of things. And 
kind of got some deals where I got those um, those two U4 node servers um, that I have. So I got a couple of those where I run, you know, all four hypervisors on there, um, Acropolis, VMware, Citrix, um, Hyper-V, um, and then I test out the different EUC products on there as well. Um, I have a couple servers with GPUs in them just to, to test that out and, and play with that and, you know, for my opinion on it and stuff. And then um, I was able to get a nice uh, 10 gig switch as well to do some testing with um, the SMB3 stuff and that type of technology, the RDMA, um, and so forth. So it's a pretty help, um, hefty lab. Um, it's not the not the cheapest lab, um, but it helps out. And there's times where, like we're in Shane, if I have collaborate on, on stuff for our sessions where he's worked in the lab and stuff and road access. And I know we talked about it as well. Um, so it's something that I'm going to get squared away. I'm looking at upgrading too. I know you've seen some of the stuff I talked about in our Wolfpack chat. Um, that I'm looking at for next year. So that's on 2016 as well as um, upgrading, maybe start looking at some of the Xeon D stuff to reduce the footprint and reduce the, the power consumption, but still have the, wow. the capacity and performance. I, I think I've got a bit of lab envy going on. <laughs> likewise, likewise. So would you um, – well, I get a lot of benefit, I believe, out of having my lab environment. Um, I, I'm constantly learning new things just by – playing around with my own little sandbox there. Do you recommend uh, lab environments to others, and how beneficial is your lab to you? Yeah, so I definitely recommend lab environments, um, especially, you know, anyone out there doing um, any kind of um, consulting work where you're always working with different products, different customers, different situations, um, because you never know when you have to lab something um, to test it out, because, like I said, you're always learning, and you're not going to know everything that comes up in a, in a project. So you need some kind of play area, um, to be prepared for those situations. Um, so I do recommend everyone having a lab environment, um, whether it's something you, you build in your house, whether you look at using, um, cloud hosted, you know, depending on what you, what's your need. Um, but something I definitely rec- recommend, especially if you're in this industry. Um, but like, like it's very beneficial to me, like I said, um, from keeping up to, to speed on things, you know, keep my knowledge fresh, um, be able to test things, um, that kind of stuff. I'm starting to play a little bit on the development side now, which um, I'm had some tweets about playing with some JavaScript stuff and, and those type of things, and more on the website. So um, that's gonna help out with, with there as well. But yeah, something definitely need to have, and I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And actually, since I'm working pretty much mainly with containers now, I'm actually finding that even though I've got a machine. Um, a physical machine up in Seattle that I can remote into just with the actual, you know, product of like what a container is. I can just like stream down my containers into my lab. I have all that power there. I can run things uh, very quickly and it's always pristine. So I I really love that. And I couldn't agree more uh, with the use of having your own lab. Uh, Now I want to segue into probably my favorite part of the podcast. So you know, I was obviously the first guest, uh, and I've listened and followed avidly, and congrats to both of you guys on the success, because I think I'm not the only one in the community that really finds value and loves listening to the podcast. But my absolute favorite part um, is, Jerry, what market or technology are you keenly watching at the moment, and what excites you about it? <laughs> so this one's always uh, 
tough question, especially when we ask it, because there, there are so many ways that you could go with this. And I've been thinking about this one since we started the podcast, because I know this was, was coming. Um, it's not really technology for me. It, it's more of uh, a space. And it's um, with having two young kids at home, it's the education space to see um, how that involves and how that's going to prepare them um, for the technologies that are today and the ones that are also going to be changing even more rapidly in, in the future. Um, just knowing that, you know, if I wanted to do something, whether it's <clears throat> technology or, or science related when I was coming up, you didn't have that many options. Um, you know, there was always smaller, uh, handfuls of those type of classes. Um, so I'm, I'm watching that space cause you know, as my kids grow up, I want them to have every opportunity to be able to, to learn and be prepared for what the, the world's going to be like when they grow up. So like things like STEM schools and those schools out there, those alternative ones that kind of focus more on the the technology and, and the science, the engineering, those type of things um, to make sure that we're not, you know, still teaching the same old things over and over. Um, yes, learning some of the history stuff's in, in, important, but you also have to prepare, you know, the next up and coming generations um, for what the world's going to be like and have them prepared for that. So those emphasis on, on those type of things, I, I think is very important. That's a, that's a fascinating point. And I, you know, it only, it only rang true. My, my four year old Ben has started school this year, obviously, and he's going to the same primary school as I was going to originally. And, uh, my sixth class teacher, her name was, um, Miss Crawford, and we were doing maths with her at the time, and you know I liked maths, I just didn't particularly like my teacher. And yeah, one of the things that would come up quite often is you'll not, you'll never always have a calculator in your pocket. You need to understand how these sums work. And I just thought, how disjointed was that for you back then? To, uh, to you know how technology has gone forward. Everybody's got a calculator on their phone everywhere they go, and uh, you know I, I I couldn't agree with you more there, there Jerry, in the sense that you know a, a more kind of adaptive or future-looking educational system that 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 looks at these kind of things in trending markets and may adjust a little quicker. Because I mean, even back then, the writing was in the walls in regards to cell phones. By the time I was in sixth class in school, so that's a that's a really interesting one. That is not what I was expecting you to come out with whatsoever. So it just goes to show, doesn't matter how. Well, I know you. <laughs> you can still surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it just it's it's just because uh, it's going to tie into everything. Because you look at you know basically all the different industries out there, and it's going to be something that they're going to be prepared for because all the technology changes. And so, if we don't adapt, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen to our to our gener- our kids or the generations coming up if we don't adapt to how the world's changing. Oh, couldn't agree with you more. I mean, even even to our kids and, and to, to Rory's little bundle of joy on the way, I mean, trying to explain to our kids what life was like without the internet when they were teenagers, I mean, it must literally be like trying to explain what color television or what black and white television <laughs> were like to, to people of our generation. You know, it's it's amazing how fast things are moving forward. But, uh, yeah, no, interesting education. Good man, good man. Uh, before, we, before we go anywhere, I just wanted to also congratulate Rory on his new role. Rory, do you want to tell us a little bit about your new role because you haven't been very public about it just dark horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i recently started working for turbo as a technical account manager so uh a lot of what i've been posting over the last while actually even before i started working for them was around the container space uh mainly due to the fact that i've been so entrenched in the application space like i said earlier um so you know i was i was comfortable working with abv and every day and I was comfortable doing MSI packaging and scripting, but I kind of felt like I was getting a, a little bit complacent, and I wanted to give myself 
a fresh challenge, you know, not just uh, kicking the tires on something in my home lab. I wanted just like a fresh, fresh challenge. And that brought me to the opportunity with Turbo. And I was like, you know what, you know, what the hell, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, it's been really exciting so far. Um, I've never worked for a company quite like this, um, very development heavy. I can kind of got the finger on the pulse and you can see as the product evolves and just how quickly they turn around fixes. Um, so right now I'm mainly just doing um, like support work because obviously I've got to bridge that gap um, in my understanding between, you know, traditional packaging, the way AbbV does things and this containerization space. Uh, I've been loving it so far. The challenge is what I wanted and it's definitely what I'm getting. I think it's something too, because I think you, you bring a, a unique perspective to it, um, you know, from your background um, on the application side, the traditional stuff, and then things like AppV and Laren and so forth. So I, I think you, ha you have a, a very good perspective you're bringing to, to, to Turbo um, to help them kind of mold um, what they're doing with containers. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean, Rory. I mean, from a from an industry point of view, you were talking about Spoon before anybody was talking about Spoon. You know, so you've always had that finger in the pulse, and you've always been watching kind of what was happening next. And when I heard you, you'd you decided to make the move. I was I was delighted for you. I mean, obviously, you've been good friends with Kenji for some time now, and um, it's you know, it's it's a, it's a really great move forward. And you know, it's it, it it's typical you, man, because you know you're so humble to to start off and support again. You know, you you know exactly what you need to do to get up to. to speed with the new company and move forward from that point onwards so yeah anyway for myself and jerry and best of luck with the new role but you definitely will not need it man yeah definitely, thanks, definitely yeah, thanks, thanks very much guys yeah thank you very much guys and uh, also too thank you very much you know for your support with uh, with frontline chatter and you know jumping in to things like this and you know further stuff we hope to be doing with you in, in the future so yeah i look forward to it just call me anytime oh you know we will so <laughs> Anywho, uh, before we before we close down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors uh, very much, as always, for allowing us to do what we do because we love it. Uh, thank you to ControlUp, to Liquidware Labs, and to uh, FS Logics for being awesome. Um, and without further ado, thanks Rory again for joining us. And this has been Jarian's life. So Jarian, I'll hand over to you to close. Yes, uh, thank you again, Rory, for for being the co-host today. This was definitely a, a little bit different experience. You know, turn the mic on, my, on myself today. Um, and thank you all for listening. Um, this is the Frontline Chatter Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.